Hello and welcome back to the Eden Gathering podcast. It's me, Ben. I'm so glad that you've joined us once again. Uh, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it when it was released, uh, it is the Monday after the Eden Gathering night. And um, what a night it was. Absolutely awesome. I think the team stepped up their game massively for this one. I really enjoyed Pick and Mix. Uh, the music was great. It looked great. If you want to get a little taste um, for what the Eden Gathering looks like, head over to YouTube and type in Eden Gathering. We're about to listen to a talk from um, Duncan that he gave on that night, but it's also on YouTube. So if you missed out on Eden and want to get a little taste of what it looks like and sounds like before you make the decision to come, uh, head over to YouTube, Eden Gathering. But now we're going to hear from Mr. Duncan Banks. So we're answering this question. You might have seen it on social media. We're trying to answer this question. How do you make happy happen? If you Google happy songs, you'll discover there are thousands on the list. I'm sure that's what the band did. They started the whole evening with that classic song, Happy. But there are so many happy songs. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it. Not for no, don't worry, be happy. Right from that up to Pharrell's Happy. There are happy songs everywhere on Google. Why? Because the pursuit of happiness seems to be universal. It's not confined to an age group. It's not just young kids that want to be happy. It's not just young adults that want to be happy or old farts like me that want to be happy. It seems that all of us, no matter what our background, our race, our colour, our socioeconomic background is, whatever our status, we're in pursuit of this thing called happiness. And it's understandable that we're chasing down happy because science psychologists, they're happy to tell us that happy people actually have better lives. There's huge benefits to being happy in life. Psychologists tell us that happy people live longer. Happy people have healthier lives. Happy people, it's been proven, have more success in life. And apparently happy people have stronger relationships in life as well. So what makes you happy? I'm fascinated. I have no clue whether this Mentimeter thing is going to work again. What do you think, Ben? No. Oh, look, he's up there. It's not going to work. All right. Okay, so we won't do that. I was going to ask you what you thought happiness might have meant to you, but we'll skip over that bit. Suffice to say that the pursuit of happiness is something we're all after. And it's lovely to talk about the things that we... So we could sit in our groups and we could talk about the kind of things that make us feel happy. And it's lovely and all that. But the truth is none of us really know what makes us happy. And I know that's a shocking statement to say, but if we did know what made us happy, we wouldn't have to keep looking for it, would we? Because happiness for human beings seems so very elusive. You ever been to the fun fair and seen that whack-a-mole game? You know, where the mole pops out and you've got your hammer and you you need to bash it on the head, but it's gone before you can hit it. And then another one pops out and that one's gone as well. It's so elusive to whack-a-mole and it seems so elusive to find that beautiful thing called happy. And on top of that, every day we're saturated with messages, we're saturated with images from advertisers telling us exactly what we need to be happy. You just need to buy this one thing and it will make you happy. Advertisers tell us that we're all incredibly miserable, but they can fix our misery if we just click here and buy their product. And we all fall for it, don't we? I mean, you ever bought a, a new car thinking to yourself, oh, I'm going to be happy now. But very quickly, that happy feel, that happy moment, that happy new car smell seems to disappear. Or have you ever kind of decided happiness is in getting fitter? So you buy one of those 
Fitbits, or you buy one of those ab crunches because you think a little six-pack will make you feel great and happy. And you don't even know where they are now. I mean, you've lost that Fitbit and you've no clue where that ab cruncher is. I've got an ab cruncher. I haven't seen it for years. I think it's up in the loft somewhere. Or, or maybe for you, you've bought a phone upgrade. And no sooner have you put your contacts from your old phone onto your new phone that you've discovered they've bought out another upgrade. And suddenly your happiness disappears Again, we all fall for what the advertisers say. They're constantly saying to us, you need this to be happy and we buy it. And it actually doesn't make us as happy as we thought it would. A few years ago, I was on holiday when my kids were much younger. My three boys were younger. Me and Debbie took them to Spain for a family holiday. And because my wife works in the NHS and doesn't earn a tremendous amount of money, and because I work for a church, for a charity, I don't earn earn a tremendous amount of money either, uh, we decided we'd try and do Spain on the cheap. Uh, So we flew Ryanair from Stansted Airport, and we landed at Alicante. And the boys were saying to me, Dad, what car have we rented? And I said, we rented the smallest and the cheapest car. And they said, well, what is it? So I said, well, it's a Nissan Micra. And I can remember Matthew saying to me, Dad, how big is a Micra? And I said to him, son, it's the clues in the name, Micra, microscopic, it's tiny. And I showed them a picture of it on my phone, and they said, there is no way we're going to get five of us and all the cases in a Nissan Micra. And so, of course, Ryanair flight was delayed and there was this big, long line at the window when we eventually got to the uh, rent-a-car desk at Alicante Airport. And when I, when I got to the desk, there was a Spanish lady behind it and she said in her broken English, she said, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, sir, but we've run out of cars. And inside, I was going mad. I was just about to have a rant above all rants. But before I could say anything, she said, before you say anything, sir, we've run out of cars in your category and we're going to upgrade you for free. It was like Christmas. And so she gave me a a little piece of paper and she said, this bay in the car park is where you will find your upgraded car for your holiday. And so we wandered into the car park wondering what our upgrade would be. And I looked at the piece of paper and I looked at the car in the bay and it all matched up and I still couldn't believe my eyes because this is what I saw. It was a black BMW. That's no Nissan Micra. The kids were so excited I mean, you can imagine, they all dived into the car, it was so exciting. And I sat in the driver's seat, and after about 10 minutes, one of my boys said, Dad, why are we not going anywhere? And the reason we weren't going anywhere is because it was a keyless car, and I'd never had a keyless car before. How on earth do you start a keyless car? And the cars I'd had, you just put a key in it, turn it, the ignition starts, and you drive away. What do you do with a keyless car? I could make the radio work, I could make the air conditioning blast, the windscreen wipers were going crazy. But I couldn't get the engine to start, so I had to go back and I had to go find somebody. And this, she must have been about 21-year-old girl came out and she started it first time. And I was so embarrassed. And I said, thank you so much. And she said, don't worry, sir. She said, don't worry. All that was happening was this. You were pushing the wrong buttons. And she was right. I pushed the buttons to make the windscreen wipers going, but I wasn't pushing the right buttons to make the car move. And I remember reflecting on it as we drove away from Alicante Airport. And I thought, yeah. How often in life do we do that? It's a scientific fact that we as human beings are wired up in such a way that when we push the right buttons in our life, it makes happy happen. But we spend our lives pushing the wrong buttons. We think, you know, if I go on a diet and I get a six-pack, that'll make me happy. If I could just make a little bit more money, that would make me happy. If I could get a pay rise at work, if I could get a corner office, if I could get a new job with a flashy title, if, if I could live in that house in that postcode, then I'd be happy. If I could look in the mirror and see a supermodel looking back, then I would be happy. I'd be so happy if I could just be famous, even for 15 minutes. But science says that they are the wrong buttons to push because they do not bring us the sustainable happiness that our hearts desire. 
There's a, a man who's known in the uh, psychology trade as a, as a man called Mr. Happy. His name is Dr. Edward Diener, Ed Diener. This is him, sweet little man. And uh, Ed Diener is famous because he had a breakthrough as a psychologist a couple of decades ago. He realised that in the study of happiness, for decades, people had thought, wouldn't it be good to find out how to be happy by studying sad people? So huge amounts of research, really good research, was done on depression and anxiety, and they learnt a lot about that. But no one until Ed Diener came along thought, I know, let's study happy people and see what makes them happy. And so Ed Diener did this and, and produced some landmark research. And at the end of the research, he says this, I love this. He says, it's interesting to me that the majority of people spend the majority of the, their time, that's most of us in this room, spend most of our time pursuing happiness along a path that yields the least amount of increase in their actual happiness. In other words, we spend our lives pushing the wrong buttons and it doesn't make happy happen for us. So what does make happy happen? Well, according to science and according to the Bible, both science and the Bible agree, there are two main things that will make happy happen in your life. And I want to tell you what those two main things are. But first, I want us to pause. I'm going to ask Matt and and Becky and Danny to come back. I want us to pause and I want us to sing again. Just reflect, just a bit stripped back, because before I tell you what makes happy happen, I think there are people in this room tonight who stayed away from God. They've pushed away from church, they've pushed away from Jesus, and they've been quite brave coming tonight. But you've pushed away from God because you thought to yourself, God is just going to get in the way of my happiness. God is going to be the person that steals happiness from me. I've seen Christians walking in and out of church. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to get close to God because God is going to make me sad and depressed. God is not going to give me the happy life. And tonight God wants to say to you, listen, listen, listen. You've got it all wrong. I am the way to your happiness. I am how you get there. You know, you... Contrary to popular belief, I'm not some overbearing father in heaven that's tutting every time you step out of line, that's got some kind of cane that wants to smack you over the backside when you do wrong. I am not that kind of a father. You know what kind of father I am? The God of heaven would say to you tonight, I am a good, good father. And I want us to pause and think about that and celebrate that just for a few moments before we press on.
Perfect in all of 
So two things, real quick, two things that will make happy happen for you as the screen behind me goes up and down, and up and down, and up and down. Did you notice that, Matt, during your singing? It's great. It went, it was incredible. It was the Holy Spirit. It was a bit of drama. Two things that will make you happy. First thing is this. First thing is this. What if happiness was more about a who than a what? What if your happiness was more dependent on a who than it was a what? You know this. Happiness is more about people than things. You, you learn this from a young age. You knew this when you were just a little kid. When you went out to play, it didn't matter what you were doing when you went out to play. It mattered who you were doing it with. When you went to primary school, it didn't matter who your teacher was, to be truth, truthful. It mattered who you were sitting next to because your happiness was more about a who than a what. You know, when you got to high school, it didn't matter what your GCSEs were, what courses you were studying. What mattered was was who you were going to be studying it with because you knew your happiness was much more about people than it was about things. Because if your happiness was about a product you could buy, you'd have bought it a long time ago, you'd have got it from Amazon and you would have been happy forever. So if that ageing iPhone in your pocket somehow deflates your happiness, I don't think you were ever happy in the first place. You were just cleverly marketed to. Because happiness is far more about a who than it is about a what? Science has proved this. There's a famous study that was done by psychologists and scientists a little while ago. It's called the monkey cage experiment. They wanted to figure out how rising stress levels in human beings ruined people's happiness. So they got a monkey. It's kind of a sad story, really, but they got a monkey and they wired his brain up so they could monitor his stress, his rising stress levels. And you know what they did to induce stress into this monkey? They put him in a cage, they shut the door, they rattled his cage, they put lights into his cage, on and off, flashing lights. They played loud music into his cage and they induced stress. And his stress levels went through the roof, as you can imagine, so would yours do. And you know what they did to reduce his stress levels? They didn't give him any drugs. You know what they did to reduce his stress levels? They simply opened the cage door and they put another monkey in with him. They kept rattling the cage. They kept shining lights into the cage. They kept playing loud noises into the cage. They kept inducing stress. But you know what they discovered? His stress levels were reduced by 50% or more. Somehow, because he had another monkey in the cage with him to go through his cage rattling experience, somehow his stress levels reduced and his happiness levels rose. So I have one really profound question to ask you this evening. Who's your monkey? Honestly, who's your monkey? Who is it when your cage gets rattled that you would open the door and say, come in and sit with me? Because it will reduce your stress levels and it'll, it'll rise your happiness levels. Because happiness is far more about a who than it is about a what. It's why we started Eden. Eden is all about creating a sense of community and friendship and connection. It's why we've started these things at Eden, which if you're not familiar with them, called food nights. They're incredible. Not only is the food incredible, but so is the connection and the friendship that gets built. In fact, 
Let me introduce you to the director of Eden Food Nights here. On the so, how did it go last time? Well, we had six full houses, we had six hosts, and we had fantastic feedback. Hey, my name's Stefan, and I'm responsible for making Eden Food Nights happen. So why do we do Eden Food Nights? Well, our aim is to connect the disconnected, and sure, we all have these little things in our pockets that we use on a daily basis. We connect via Facebook, Snapchat, WhatsApp, Instagram, you name it. But are we really connected? Eden Food Nights is a fantastic opportunity for people of my generation to come together, to connect, to get to know people, to make new friends, and just to do life with each other for a little while. I can tell by the look on your face that this is something you'd really, really love to come to, right? Okay, okay, I'll tell you how to do it. It's super easy. You go to the Eden Gathering website, you go to the Food Nights page, you look and see where the hosts live, you choose which one you want to go to, you book however many places, and that's it. We'll take care of the rest. It's as simple as that. It's easy, right? So listen, you know how they said at Eden Food Nights that you never know who you'd end up sitting next to? Well, I went to three food nights and I never saw that dog even once. Let's make a pack, no more dog, all right? That's it for the dogs. But these Eden Food Nights are a great opportunity for you to discover who your monkey is. Because you need to know when your cage gets rattled and maybe you can start a friendship around a meal table that will mean when the lights start flashing and people start getting up in your grill, you've got someone to do life with that will up your happiness levels and reduce your stress levels. Uh, Steph, where are you, Stefan? You're here, aren't you? Stand up, Stefan. There he is at the back. So go talk to Stefan and say, uh, hook me in. How do I do it? The best way to do it is through the website, but that man there can answer uh, all of your questions. So it's not just science that say happiness depends on having a monkey. The Bible talks about it as well. 2,000, 3,000 years ago, in fact, a man called Solomon. We've got his journal. It appears in the Bible. It's called, it's called Ecclesiastes. Richest man in the world, Solomon. And he wrote this in his journals. Fascinating. He says this, you are better off to have a friend than to be all alone. You're better off to have a monkey in your cage than be all alone. Because then you will have more enjoyment out of what you have. So according to the Bible and according to all the latest scientific research, the most important thing for your health, the most important thing for your performance in life, the most important thing to make happy happen for you is that you've got a monkey, that you've got a friend to do it with. Why? Because happiness is far more about a who than it is about a what. So let me ask you this other profound question. Who are the people in your life that are fanning the flames of your life. I just saw this uh, roomy quote that I love. Set your life on fire and seek those who fan your flames. The Philly translation of that is don't be hanging with no jank ass jokers that don't help you shine. The prerequisite for spending time with any person is that they nourish and inspire you. They feed your flame. Look at your last five text messages. Are those people feeding your flames or dousing your fire? Put your phone down for just a second and look around. Look to the people around you. Are those people throwing logs on your fire or are they pissing on it? The people that you spend time with are going to make or break your dreams. I tell you, Will Smith's so profound. The, the people you spend time with are going to make or break your dreams. Because your happiness is more dependent on a who than it is about a what. Okay, I said there were two things. Real quickly, here's the second thing. One, happiness is more about a who than a what. Secondly, your happiness is more about a give than a get. 
And I know that's counterintuitive because our society, especially targeted towards people of the millennial generation, that young adult generation, we're wired up to think, you guys are wired up to think, that the more you can get will make you happy. The more you can amass, the more you can collect and gather around you, the more affluent you become, the happier you will be. And it is so wrong. That's not how you're wired up. One of my favourite authors is a man called Dr. Henry Cloud, eminent psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud. If you ever see his name attached to a book, buy the book and read it, it will change your life, I guarantee it. He's a Christian as well. And Henry Cloud wrote this book called The Law of Happiness, became a New York Times bestseller. And he talks about this, this power of giving over getting to make you happy in the book. He tells a story about his young daughter who was in the, the American equivalent of primary school. And he'd taken her to school one day, he'd packed a lunch for her with some sandwiches in it, a packet of crisps, an, a, a, an apple and a little drink. And he'd also put a little Kit Kat bar that you might well have found on your seat when you came in. He put a little Kit Kat bar in the box with her. And he took her off to school and uh, at the school gate he called her to, to himself. He said, just before you go into school, are you up for a challenge today? And she went, yeah, daddy, I love a challenge today. He says, right, this is what I want you to do. When it comes to lunchtime, open your packed lunch, eat your sandwiches and your crisps, eat your apple and drink your drink. And then when it comes to the chocolate bar, the little Kit Kat, break it in half, eat one bar for yourself, and then find someone else in your class and give them the other bar. And then when you come out of school today, we'll talk about what happened. All right, are you up for that challenge? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up for that, it'd be fantastic. And so she runs off into school. Three o'clock comes and he's standing outside the school gates. Right from the other side of the, the playground, his daughter's running across the playground. And she's going, Daddy, 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 what was that? What was that? And as she comes close, Daddy says, what are you talking about, darling? And she, she kept punching her chest. What was that? I gave my Kit Kat to someone else. What was that that happened inside? Happiness is more about a give than a get. Research has found that when we give, whether it's money, whether it's our talent, our time, whether we're volunteering our service, whether it's a piece of chocolate to a friend, a Kit Kat bar, when you give, when your lives involve sharing and your lives involve serving and your lives involve giving, you know what psychologists say? You know what research has found? Our entire human chemistry changes. Something changes in you chemically. This is fascinating to me. Research on the brain, all right, has discovered, it's found that when you give, the same pleasure centres get activated, get stimulated, that get stimulated when you have great food or you have great sex. That's how you've been wired up. Let me say that again because you're looking at me going, really? Yes, it's true. The same pleasure centres get stimulated in the brain when you give, that get stimulated when you have a fantastic fillet steak and a wonderful orgasm. That's how God has wired you up. There are huge benefits to giving. It's the way to make happy happen. Your happiness is dependent on a give, not a get. And not only does science know this, but thousands of years ago, the Bible knew this as well. Paul writes to this church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 9, and he says this. Remember this. In other words, Paul is saying to these Corinthian Christians, laminate this and stick it on your fridge door in your kitchen. So that every morning when you walk down to have your cornflakes, you'll see this on your fridge door because it is some of the most important, wise wisdom you will ever hear. Remember this, don't forget it. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You eat the entire chocolate by yourself. You keep stuff to yourself. You make your life about amassing and getting and not giving. If you do that, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But he says, look, whoever sows generously, whoever gives of his time and his energy and his money, whoever gives that last piece of chocolate to someone, else, their last Rolo. If you do that, look, you're going to reap 
generously. So I asked you a profound question a minute ago. I said, who's your monkey? You need to know that who that is. You need to know that, who that is because your happiness levels depend on it. That's what makes happy happen. The second thing, here's my second profound question. What's your Kit Kat? Honestly, what is it that God is asking you to give? Is it a piece of chocolate or is it more than that? Is God asking you to give financially? Maybe you're saying, you know, I hear other people around church giving this tithe thing, this 10%. I ain't into that. I haven't got enough money to do that. Listen, your happiness depends on you giving. Maybe 10% is too tough for you right now. Start with 2%, raise the 4%, raise the 8%. Maybe it's your talents and your time that God is asking you to give. We'd love at Eden to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you go onto our webpage, you'll find a whole list of ways in which you can get involved. We need help with this community. We need musicians, because you know how desperate the ones we are, we've already got are. We need people who are involved in production and tech. We need people to help Sam front a house. We need people to help Steph run the food nights. We need administrators, creative people, web designers, social media gurus. We need a whole bunch of people to, to make this room twice the size that it is and to reach twice as many people. We'd love you to give of your time and your talent into this and you can do so by going onto the Eden website. So what's your Kit Kat? Huh? It's a great story. I'll finish with this great story told about a little street urchin at the end of the Second World War, mid-1940s in London. In the mid-1940s in London, when the war had finished and London was devastated, there were lots of these little orphans, these street urchins they were called, who were running around, dirty-faced, nowhere to live, hungry all the time, no parents. And there's a great story told about this one little lad who was walking past the baker's shop. And Mr. Baker had just baked a whole load of really nice icy buns. And he'd taken them out of the oven and he'd put them in the window to show them off so someone might buy them. And this little street urchin stopped by just at the time when the baker put the tray in the window and his mouth began to salivate as he looked at these hot buns steaming away in the window. Just at that moment, an American serviceman pulled around the corner in his Jeep and he saw what was going on. He saw the picture unfolding and he jumped out of his Jeep and he walked into the baker's. He bought all the buns, put them in a paper bag and he walked out and he put that paper bag into the hands of this little street urchin. He tousled his hair and he walked back off towards his Jeep. But before he could get into his Jeep, he felt this pull on his greatcoat. And he spun round and he saw this little street urchin standing by him. And the street urchin looked up and looked at this great American soldier. And he said to him, please, sir, but are you God? <laughs> you see, the point of the story is blatantly clear, right? You are never more like God than when you give. Some of you would call yourselves followers of Jesus. Some of you would say, I want to know what it is to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. And maybe you've got into your mind that that means you've got to read the Bible more and you've got to pray more and you've got to worship more and your attendance record at church has got to be large. And all those things are great and important. Don't neglect them. But somehow we forget that we are never more like our Father in heaven when we are generous and when we give. Maybe that's the way you can be more like Jesus, because your happiness is more dependent on a give than it is a get. I, Jim, let me finish. God, I wonder whether the God of heaven looks at you and looks at me, and he must look in despair sometimes. As we spend our lives pushing all the wrong buttons, we spend our lives acquiring stuff, thinking it's going to make us happy, and God says, no, 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 no. Your happiness is about a who, not a what. Your happiness is about a give, not a get. And so I say to you, wherever you are in your spiritual journey today, 
I wonder whether some of you have stayed away from God. You've pushed away from God and you've pushed God away because you thought Jesus would get in the way of your happiness. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I am the way to your happiness. Can't you see that tonight? I am how you get there. Let me pray and then we'll sing one final song and our time will be through. Father, it's been a, an incredible night. Something's happened as we've sung. It's, it feels as if you are here, almost tangibly, hairs on the back of the neck kind of stuff. feels as if you have something to say to us, whatever age and stage of life we're at, whatever we're bringing to the table, whatever's in our rucksack, whatever we're dragging around with us, feels like you've got some stuff you want to say to us. And it feels like very clearly, Lord, you're saying to us, don't push me away. I'm not going to take happiness from you. Quite the opposite. I am the way to your happiness. I'm how you get there. Father, press into us the joy of giving. Press into us the joy of friendship. May that be our pursuit from this point on so that we will make happy happen in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matt. Well, here endeth this week's podcast. Thanks once again for tuning in. We'll be back next week um, with our book review podcast. In the meantime, please go and check out edengathering.co.uk. It's got the next day of the event. It's got food nights, which you can sign up for. And it's got all of our social media platforms. So please send us a tweet, Instagram, whatever you use. Um, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, listen to this music. Music.